Hey, yo, and here we go. Another episode of We Talk Music is on the air and in your ear. Once again, I am Martin, and I have with me the king of the casters, Mr. Brett Podcast. And Brett, we have a guest. That's right, we do. And we have a really good guest. Uh, I'm very excited to have him on the show. Uh, singer, songwriter for the Dan Reed Network. Well, he is Dan Reed. So, Dan, how are you doing? Good. I, uh, I was a big fan of the Jimi Hendrix experience. So, <laughs> whenever somebody says the Dan Reed Network, I always hear it still in my head. Like, I could have come up with a better band name. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I was thinking to myself, it reminded me of uh, the Bob Seeger system. Oh, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah. There was a few of those. Uh, didn't what's the guitar player from Aerosmith had the Joe Perry project? Project, yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah. But you know what? If you can take one of those and own it, and and there's no question. I mean, you own network. There was. I don't think that word. There was the television, the movie. Remember? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And other than that, it wasn't really a hip word to be using. There was no social media or that kind of stuff back then. Because if so, I ever think of a band, you know, oh, it's just like this, it's the network, then your name is the first thing that I think of. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> yes. It's a su- success. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, you've got the new album, Let's Hear It for the King, coming out on June 17th now. And uh, and it's it's absolutely one of my favorite albums that you guys have done. So... Yeah. so much uh so much really good stuff on it Let, let's just let's talk about the album first thing sure absolutely so why don't you break down how this album got made especially over the last you know couple or three years of the pandemic um fighting you yeah. well originally i had taken 2019 off to spend with my family i have he's nine now but back then you know he was six and i wanted to take him on a, like an rv trip around america which we did for seven weeks and not knowing this pandemic was coming, I thought I'd be hitting the road running again in uh, 2020. Um, so we recorded the album in January, the basic tracks in Portland in January, 2020. I had the whole year of 2019, other than when I was doing the family stuff to write and compose with the other band members, which are usually I never did. I would demo most of the stuff myself and then send it to the guys to kind of get their approval or whatever, or their ideas from that point. But this time I invited Brian and Melvin and Rob. I said, guys, if you have tracks, send them to me. I'll chop them up and arrange them and work on lyrics and guitar parts or keyboard parts, whatever you guys don't do. And let's really write a record together for once, which we never did. But let's pay homage to our first album. Like, like what got us started in the music business was a, a first song was a, a called Mind and Body. It used to pack the dance floor in the clubs, right? And we always thought if we had 400 people dancing, we deserve a record deal, damn it. Um, but... <laughs> It took like writing a ton more music, but that was our very first song we wrote. And so I pay homage to that on the new album. The beginning of the song Supernova starts off with that same exact riff uh, from Mind and Body. So we thought if we rooted ourselves in our foundation, that the songs we write for this album would probably have a little bit of feeling of that, why we got together in the first place. I'm sorry about this crazy song. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so we... Uh, we were quite excited about trying to visit our roots and at the same time write lyrics that are more concentrated on today's uh, asphyxiation, addiction to uh, tribal parties, political parties, um, left and right, um, social media where everybody can be David Lee Roth now if you do the right TikTok video in your backyard. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's you can literally have, sorry, you can literally have like 
a million followers in a week if you do the right video, you know? So that's different now. So the mythology of stardom, you know, movie stars and, you know, Hollywood uh, royalty and then rock stars, all that stuff's kind of dissipated away, which I think is probably a good thing. I just hope that the dissipation of stardom doesn't make all of humanity want to be ego driven. Because it used to be just us rock stars that were egomaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> like, everybody's an egomaniac. It's like, holy shit, can we can we carry the weight? Um, but yeah, I I hope that one day we'll learn that being interconnected through to everybody on the planet is gonna create more of a global community. That's my hope and dream. I don't see it right now. I see us being more and more divided, but I can't tell if it's the media that's doing this to us or if mm. we're really divided. I feel like. of humanity, whether you're Ukrainian, Russian, American, Canadian, whatever the fuck. Sorry, if I I don't know if I can, whatever the fuck. Oh, yeah, go ahead. As my son said. Should have heard the guy yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know uh, if we're going to come out of this alive, you know, as humanity. But I do think 95% of us are all the same. We want just a good life for our families. We want to be able to pay our bills, uh, not suffer too much. Um, and then 5% of the world is very happy just making billions and billions of dollars off of keeping us arguing with each other is what I feel. Mm-hmm. So I, this whole album, uh, let's hear it for the King was pointed toward that was, is asking that question, you know, do we be careful what you wish for? Like, and just might get it because you just might get get it. Censorship is this big thing now, right? If you censor Donald Trump, does that mean when Donald Trump comes into power, he gets to censor Bernie Sanders? I was like, I don't, censorship, I'm not a fan of. I think it's kind of hurt comedy. I think it's hurt um, oh, yeah. films a bit. Um, so I, I think waking up, we used to call it waking up. Now they call it woke. Like woke means you're finished waking up. <laughs> I don't think anybody's finished waking up left or right. So anyway, that's a different story. But that's kind of the theme of the album in a way. Well, and it's so it's so fascinating, right? Because I mean, you've you've managed to take all of these subjects, but you've also managed to wrap them in this really nice, you know, good sounding like funk rock mixture that just does make you want to get up and dance. Oh, uh, that's that, dude, that was the goal, to be honest with you. It was like, how do we sing about these subjects yet still have that kind of energy we had before we got our record deal when we were playing clubs? Um, so I've worked really hard on finding the right lyric for saying some semi-heavy stuff, but make it sound fun. Like, crazy boy, crazy girl, what you going to do with all that starlight wrapped around you? Really, I'm just asking, hey, all you, you know, social media monsters, are you going to help save the world or are you just doing this so you can buy a Lamborghini? For sure. And and then, I mean, of course, with this new album, like writing it as a band, I mean, so then what kind of the influences did you bring in that were maybe different from before? Well, I worked on the guitar riffs on this album, whereas Brian, the guitar player, uh, worked on the EDM side of it. So like a lot of the programming and synth stuff, orchestrations on the end of Let's Hear It For The King, all the string sections and horns, and that's all our guitar player. And then the guitar riffs <laughs> I've worked on here in the studio in Prague. So Brian would send me these really cool EDM tracks that had no guitar on it, not even clean guitar. 
And I'd say, dude, this track would be amazing if we rocked it up, you know, like Unfuck My World, for example, that song, um, Ghost Inside, that started off as a Brian EDM song. Um, Let's Hear It For The King is a song that I wrote over the top of a straight leg, slow disco beat long time ago. And Brian took it and made it into this, like, uh, uh, what you, what's that style of EDM? Uh, well, I can't even think of the title right now, but he turned it into this really slow tempo uh, electronic groove over top of that lyric. And I was like, Oh dude, that's sick. Now it needs these guitar riffs on it. You know, let's let Zeppelin it out a little bit. So, so that was different. You know, usually it was like, you know, writing demos over here and then send it to Brian and he would come up with guitar riffs. It was the exact opposite. Um, Melvin sent me this really funky soul song with a great dirty guitar riff on it. And that turned into supernova, um, which is our, kind of harkening back to our mind and body track that I was mentioning. So the pr- process and Rob Dacre, the co-producer and, and mixer of this album, he's like a genius, musical genius. He's probably the better guitar player out of all of us, but he plays keyboards. So <laughs> <laughs> don't ask me why we, we just like playing different things. I guess. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I think that's, isn't that the best way to do it? it I mean, what a band effort when you can all just contribute something and it doesn't matter what and i think that's the awesome thing about you guys when i when i look and see that that it's the vast majority of the same band is when you started yeah yeah it's uh i think over the years we just keep bouncing off of each other's talents we might get bored maybe with playing the same instruments so we kind of uh you know, Brian was all about the guitar for decades, and now he could really care less about it. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's happy that I write these riffs. He goes, dude, I love that riff. You know, I can't wait to play it live. But he's like moved on to like the digital world. He's like a mad scientist in his studio. So, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's we're very lucky that everybody in the band is really talented. And we've all learned to check our egos at the door. So that kind of that uh, hassle of who's writing what that we had back in the late eighties, early nineties is gone. So that's cool too. Well, you also got to work with some of the best producers ever. I mean, Bruce Fairbairn, Nile Rogers, who, I mean, I love Nile Rogers. Like his work is, is spectacular. So, I mean, you know, what kind of things did you take from them that you can add now to, to producing this album? Well, in the Fairbairn Mike Fraser department, um, it was really about fine tuning the songs, the arrangements, the kick drum patterns, the drum fills, making sure songs were from start to finish the strongest they could be in every moment. Um, We rehearsed for two weeks, for example, for both our first album and The Heat with Bruce and Mike there the whole time. They were there for the whole eight hours of rehearsal for two weeks, rehearsing eight hours for all songs. And, and it was all about fine tuning. Oh man, that one part's still not feeling right. Or man, that ending is so strong. Why don't you make that the chorus? <laughs> I always wanted to end songs with the big bang. Like some of my favorite movies, like Taxi Driver ends with Travis Bickle shooting up everybody to protect the girl, you know? Um, it's that great big ending, you know? So I always wanted the songs to end with the best part, you know? And Bruce was always like, you're an idiot. Put it up front. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like, okay. And he goes, now, now you got to write even a better ending. I was like, God damn, I can't get away. <laughs> but yeah. So, and then Derek Showman was really good, you know, as far as who signed us coming from Gentle Giant and working with Bananarama and Men Without Hats and Bon Jovi and Cinderella. He knew how to 
find the hook and stuff. So Derek was always pushing us to write like a second chorus, right? You know, expand what you think is the chorus, make that the best B section you've ever heard. And these kind of ideas I never thought about, you know, and Bruce was on the bandwagon with that and Mike and all that. So I learned a lot about that work ethic of really fine tuning things before you start going in the studio and spending money. Cause you could spend like four weeks in the studio hashing all that shit out that you did in the two weeks in a rehearsal hall for hundred bucks a day. Mm -hmm. bucks a day. So that, that kind of work ethic and also all the studio writing out tracking and how to track bands, how to um, make sure you keep track of all the different parts people need to play. Uh, making sure you get, the drums done first and the bass done second. So you can send those boys home so they don't have to stay, you know, out on the road the whole time, all those kind of work ethic things, Bruce and Mike were genius. And then when Mike on the board and that drum sound, you get out of little mountain that was on the Aerosmith albums, the later ones, um, Bon Jovi's record, ACDC albums with Bob rock, that drum sound is their secret spice there. And they have it. There's a secret to it, which I don't think people give out. I'm not sure, but um, let's call it a secret for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and yeah, that was invented by Fraser and Bob Rock, that drum sound that comes out of Little Mountain. I don't even know if Little Mountain's still there, is it? Do you guys know? I actually don't know. In fact, I don't I think don't it is. I don't, yeah, I think, but don't quote me on that. It's, you know, I haven't been to Vancouver in quite a while. But Brian, uh, Brian Adams has like probably the coolest studio up there right now, I hear. Yeah. To record in. But anyway, yeah. And with Niall, it was the opposite. He wasn't really about the work ethic as much as he was about uh, taking chances, be create, creative as much as possible, take the time it takes to come up with that guitar pedal sound and try to come up with some weird noises here and there. And it was really focused on kind of trying to get out of your comfort zone, which I liked, whereas Bruce tried to get you into your comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Niall had this great team of producers around him, like uh, keyboard producers and um, tech tech guys that would come in. And so he had, you know, what he did with that Let's Dance album with Bowie was just next level. And the Duran Duran album and uh, Madonna album, uh, like a Virgin record, that whole, I mean, he just, every time he did something, it was different than what that artist had done before. And so I think that's what I loved about Niall was, is completely open mind. <laughs> it's interesting to hear you talk about it because we get people on here who are very much instinctual in their songwriting or people who take a cerebral approach. Yes. And you certainly lean towards, it seems, the cerebral approach. Is that part of that? You studied music theory, didn't you? I did for nine months and then I quit college, but I studied, I played trumpet all through school, played organ in church, played, you know, so I knew how to read music. Um, and then when it came to writing songs, I grew up listening to all the crooners. My mother was into Dean Martin, Frank Sinatra, uh, Tony Robbins, all these different records that were just awesome to listen to. And they all were about the melody, Elvis, of course. Um, and so when I started writing songs in high school, they came from that crooner thing. So I think I even have that now in the network where it's always about that melody, trying to find a melody as a doing the, instead of doing the one note like Prince does a lot of the cool, funky one note stuff. Um, that was, uh, I guess I do look at it more cerebral, but I got to say when composing the melody and the guitar changes or keyboard changes and the tempo, 
I just go for it. I smoke a bowl and just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's not so cerebral then, I can tell you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, you so, so you do have the combination of producers that it's just like <laughs> before it's the Bruce Fairbairn side and stuff. Now it's the Nile Rogers side. You've smoked yeah. a bowl. It's just like, it's all gone. <laughs> Well, I, I kind of I'm a big believer in the yin and yang thing about we as human beings. I think we all have the potential to become Hitler. We all have the potential to become uh, Gandhi. Uh, and it isn't a mistake. I don't think that they lived on the planet at the same time. Uh, one's fighting for freedom. One's fighting for taking over other countries. Um, and one blew his head off. and The other one got shot by somebody from his own religion, you know. I don't think it's a mistake that that math happened at the same time on earth that I don't think we're predestined by any stretch of the imagination, but I do think that the yin and yang are always balancing itself out constantly and whether it's right wing in power, left wing in power, uh, religion, Islam's in power, Christianity's in power, you know, <laughs> now it's going to be gender, the whole gender war. We're going to have go through that thing. Um, which is great. Uh, I look forward to the ending. I hope it doesn't end with us at each other's throats. Though. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would be great if we just worked it out and the aliens landed someday because we became enlightened finally. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on. That's for sure right now. I mean, no shortage of stuff to write about uh, if you want to do this kind of thing. Except you got to be careful because you could get canceled if you say it the wrong way, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. You know? Yeah. And the guy tackled uh, Dave Chappelle on stage last night. Yeah, with the, yeah. With the gun thing that had yeah. the knife in it. And yeah. oh, weird. It's crazy. You know, I'm, I see, you see the writing on the wall for that stuff going to happen because the left, I mean, I was liberal my whole life my whole life up until two years ago where i decided i was going to stand in the center a little bit um and listen to what the right wing's talking about because trump got elected for a reason you know it wasn't an accident a lot of people voted for him and i despised that decision i thought it was the worst thing that could happen to america and then the more i listened to why they voted for him they don't like his tweets and his rhetoric any more than we do mm -hmm. say we i'm just guessing you guys are leaning more liberal but yes yeah. <laughs> we're canadian actually so you know yeah. well <laughs> actually right now that doesn't mean we lead liberal but <laughs> well i'd say a conservative in canada would still be a liberal <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> i was kind of shocked yeah for sure right yeah. um but i was kind of shocked during the whole uh trucker thing because i i i think i believe i, I still think i believe in people's right to protest um and if that was their protest, even if they are misguided or they were more right wingers, the, the interviews I saw of people talking to the truckers, they seem like really nice people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I was like, I would love to be their neighbor and I would love to hang out with these people. And and you know, now they're be branded branded as Nazis or something or like, you know, white supremacists. And, and I, I, mean, I hear people talking about that and I start going, guys, if you push so far left, you start calling Elon Musk a white supremacist because he bought Twitter. You guys are really, you know, pretty karma, like the song. It's going to come back and bite your ass one day. Well, I think we're, it's almost like we're starting to see the, you know, I mean, from like 30 years ago, I mean, or when we talk about the 60s and stuff like that, and, and the right wing was the was the establishment and the left wing was the hippies. And now I think we're starting to see the, the flip 
completely the where where the left wing is is completely the establishment and the right wing is becoming that other side. Yeah, I'm finding right wing comedians on YouTube and stuff that make me laugh. Yeah. And Stephen Colbert, Stephen Colbert doesn't make me laugh anymore. And I'm thinking, am I be, have I become a right winger? You know, that kind of, <laughs> what's, what's going on with Jeff Goldblum and the fly? <sighs> um, but yeah, I really, I'm finding myself shocked by, you know, wow, these guys are becoming the, the funny left wing now. It's weird. Well, but it's, it's oh, also, <laughs> but it's because of the fact that they're not, afraid right now and and it's like you talked about earlier with the whole cancel culture thing and i mean the more afraid you are the less funny you become the more that you try to clean yourself up then and it's the same thing with music that if you're sanitizing your music or or your comedy or anything like that to such a degree that it's safe well then it's the dangerous like i mean when it comes to comedy i mean richard pryor red fox i mean these guys were dangerous And that's what music is supposed to be. There's supposed to be an element of danger to it. Well, maybe I should change the lyrics from crazy boy, crazy girl to like crazy trans. (laughs) 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 Plus minus. uh, (laughs) Is that a gender bipolar? (laughs) Yeah, It might be soon enough. I got to say the whole what what the gender community to me represents, I mean, the transgender community and the support of it represents is maybe our higher goal of where the human humanity can be as a whole uh, a thousand years from now. I don't know, but they're pushing it so fast that it's radical. It's radicalizing the right that it's, it's, it's going to backfire that because it's getting pushed so fast that I think we were kind of getting there anyway as humanity. I thought growing up in the 60s and the 70s, I thought racism was getting better. You know, I, I mm-hmm. saw it getting, there was less and less assholes out in the world that were racist. And then now it seems like racism is, is uh, peddled as a, a thing to make money on, you know, where you can just divide us up and say that everybody white is racist. And that's a thing that, you know, it's like, dude, I can't tell you how many, including my parents, that were white, I was adopted. I'm half Filipino, quarter Native American, quarter German. Everybody in my white South Dakota farm community, 98, 99% of them were badass, super cool. <laughs> there, was, there was 1% that was dickheads. Yeah. Hey, wagon burner, how you doing? You know, that kind of shit. But even that didn't bother me. It was like bullying was part of our upbringing. It was like it, it toughened your hide. It made you get ready for the real world. And now we're talking about making sure everybody grows up in safe spaces. And I, I just don't think that's the world isn't a safe place yet. So I think they're pining for the thousand year from now humanity where we're all like asexual and enlightened and we're <laughs> in our mind. We're just like, oh, God, the sex is amazing, but nobody's touching each other. Um, you know, there's no disease. We're all just like levitating, and just the minds are connected. And aliens come and say, "Hey, you guys did it! Ooh, you made it! <laughs> yeah, way to go! <laughs> Finally, we thousand. can talk to you." Might take more than a thousand years. It's interesting yeah, hear you talk about all this because your band is so diverse culturally. Yeah, you know? that's true. We we grew up just not giving a shit about any of that stuff, man. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever heard the N word spoken by any five of us in jest or, you know what I mean? In anger mm-hmm. or in jest. And Brian, we had a talk about this. I think it was a couple months ago. I go, Brian, 
I go, why is it Quentin Tarantino can write a script with the N word all through it out and he puts it in the words in the mouths of all these white actors, right? And he doesn't get canceled. But uh, somebody that's working for uh, Apple says, we can't use this word anymore. And they say it, right? And he gets fired because he said it as part of a teaching moment. Now, he didn't say it in, in an inflammatory word way. And Brian goes, well, there's some people that can get away with it and some people can't. Brian said, <laughs> he goes, I've noticed that, you know, black people love Tarantino movies. They love them to death, you know. They, they would watch all his films more than once. And it's not because we think he's being racist, but because he's showing characters that are like that, you know, in the world. And I was like, that's amazing. And he goes, you know, you're one of those guys. You could get away with saying it around us, no problem. And I go, that's exactly why I never will. And never mm -hmm. will because I know you guys would be okay with it. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's and interesting because- It's a slippery we, slope, right? Yeah, yeah. We, had a, uh, we had an artist on that we know really well, we consider a friend. And uh, you know he he was accused of being of some racism, and in defending himself, he dropped the n bomb. You know, used the n word in defending himself, saying that he'd never said that. And then it became for us a really difficult decision: do we leave that in the podcast or do we take it out? Ultimately, left in. But it's it's yeah, everything's a slippery slope. It really is these days, and I. I I don't, once again, like I said in the beginning, <clears throat> I just don't know if it's because we are that way, we're divided that way, or if we've been pointed in that direction to like be loyal to different tribes. Because as long as we're divided, we're never really that strong, mm -mm. you know, against any kind of tyranny, corporate tyranny, which is what's going on now more than anything. Yeah. Well, yeah. So I mean, follow the money, right? And that's where, that's I, where it all goes. I mean, just... Uh, what's the guy, Ep Epstein? I mean, how fast he died in prison. Yeah. After, oh, yeah. You know, knowing all the money people, rich people around the world that he got young girls for and all that stuff. I think he, uh, you know, there was a lot of people that gained by him shutting his mouth as quick as possible. Mm -hmm. So that says a lot, man, that they can, you know, get in there to that. And the guards were sleeping and the cameras weren't working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> How it's coincidental. Total, it's like total. Uh, and I'm not a big conspiracy dude. I think we landed on the moon, for example. Uh, I think the earth is not flat. For example. <laughs> um, but uh, I agree with the flat earthers. It looks flat from our point of view, <laughs> standing on it. <laughs> you guys are right about that. Okay. <laughs> We're so tiny. There was a great uh, photo. A guy took a picture of a basketball. And then he got a super crazy scientific macro lens and just got whoosh, way in and shot the basketball. And you see the bumps. They look like mountains, the little bumps on a basketball. And it's flat as a pancake. <laughs> it's so zoomed in. And I sent that to my flat earth friends. I got a couple of them. And I go, dude, this is what you're seeing when you look at the ocean because you're so tiny. That's the scope of your view. You know, I try to explain. And of course they have a fucking... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh well like, back back to the album. Yes. Back to the in the music and the you know, one of the things that uh you know I was looking through your website, one of the things that really stood out to me was the super cool merch that you have here. Oh, thank you. Album. You know, I really want that uh vinyl hoodie. 
Awesome. Up a little bit for it, but uh, funny. my girlfriend's mother wants one too. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, "I'm getting one of those, right?" And I was like, "Okay." okay. That pretty much says about the about. Yeah, that's about me, girlfriend's mother. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she doesn't like anything. She's like very picky and cr- cranky. <laughs> um, she doesn't speak English, so if she hears this, she'll never know I said that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. So it sounds a lot like Martin then. You know, doesn't speak English. Yeah, cranky. yeah barely. <laughs> barely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that I want one of those hoodies too. And I, I don't have uh I can never wear something that says my name on it, like a Dan Reed network <laughs> If it says DRN on it or just the brotherhood symbol, then I'm all game. So that's yeah, I makes sense for <laughs> in that kind of case. I, I'm Dan Reed and my shirt says so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> have you heard of me? <laughs> my band. Yeah. <laughs> Oh boy. Uh, but unfortunately, I think you, you probably have another interview and we're almost out of time here or we're out yeah, of time. That's okay. Yeah. We, um, we can do this again sometime. Anytime oh, you want. I want to absolutely. Um, because it's been amazing. Chip. Yeah. 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 We're, we're at like a, a, you know, a small percentage. Well, Dan, before you run off, uh, please uh, tell everybody where they can keep up with you and how they can find the new album when it comes up. Yeah. Um, well, danreed-network.com pretty much all of our shows our merch music everything's on there i've be- i've become a painter during uh covid <laughs> days. um and so that you can find dan underscore reed underscore art on facebook and instagram we have a patreon page called uh stardate collective um which is based off of one of our older songs um where we show like uh scenes from a film that i did last year um do a little private acoustic concerts for them, that kind of stuff. So you, you can join up over there. And then of course, Facebook and, and Instagram, Dan Reed Network on both. Awesome. Well, we have so much more to talk about. So we will be yes. getting in touch with you. We'll, we'll, we'll be doing this again. Don't you worry. You just touched on the alien thing. And, that, <laughs> and you know, the, the, remember the apple, the Eve made Adam eat the bite out of the apple at the beginning of time and destroyed like uh, paradise and made it where we can sin and all that. You think it's an accident that the logo for the business that united the whole humanity, their logo is an apple with the bite out of it? <laughs> oh, blowing my mind here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Rod Serling and and um, what's the uh, Star Trek guy? Oh, Gene, Gene Roddenberry. Yeah. Roddenberry, yeah. They all have the it's, – it's very interesting – the first Superman was his last name was Reeves in the black and white television series. Um, the first Superman in movies, Christopher Reeves, the first flying Superman in the digital world, Keanu Reeves. Um, it's not an act that numerology and the mathematics and how the world works, yin and yang wise. Well, we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, like, like it's just, it's just a little tease. And then it's just like, okay, I mean, come on, we got to do this. Well, <laughs> The bottom line is, is Eve, E-V-E, is in the last name of Reeves. It's rewinding Eve is what it's doing, math- wow. numerology-wise. And so the flying man, of course, the guy who can fly in the sky, which is impossible, um, you know, is always going to be last name Reeves, I think. <laughs> rewinding Eve. <laughs> Crazy. Anyway. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so much. And, right, uh, and I know we wish you nothing but the best in the future. And I know we will talk to you again. But, uh, you know, this has been amazing and uh, we look forward to it. So thank you for being on the show. Best of luck to you. Bye for now. Stop the madness.
summer's coming back around. 